We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Thankful for that on the third day, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John, the 13th chapter. I'm going to share some anchor verses out of this particular chapter of the Bible. But we are we kind of closed out our series on This Is Church, and now we're entering into just a, a, a series called This Is. And today we're going to talk about This Is Love. We're going to talk about the topic of love. A few weeks ago, some of you may remember a message that, that I shared with you uh, about love is an action word, how love is... A, is not just a word or a feeling or emotion in the body of Christ. It should be put into action. And so if you missed that, you can go back and, and catch that on our podcast or on YouTube channel. Um, but but love is an action word. Today we're going to be talking about love is, and, and I'm not really talking about, just keep in mind that it is action, that it is a word that means we're doing something. We're not just uh, saying, I got a feeling. Okay, feelings are, 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 are fickle things. They can come and they can go based upon the atmosphere and the circumstances in which you're walking. In other words, I can have a good feeling because it's good weather, but then it can go away because it gets overcast and cloudy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a love that is a sustaining thing in your life that is there not based upon the warm fuzzies, but it is there during the good times and the bad times. It is there and it is a constant in your life. Some of us are starving for a constant of love in our life, something that is constant, something that is not going to fade away just because somebody's having a bad day. Um, we're all going to have bad days, amen? We're all going to have moods, amen? Why? Because we are human beings and God created us. As a matter of fact, he said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So each of us are created with unique qualities and different qualities. And so um, sometimes we have bad days, amen? Anybody have a bad day this week? Anybody have, everybody had good days. Okay, a few bad days. Okay, anybody have a bad day this week? I mean, you, you batting seven for seven this past week. Well, praise the Lord. Some of us, you pray for us. We had a few rough days, but you know what? God is faithful even in the rough days. If he cannot be God of the valley, then do not praise him on the mountaintop because he's God on the journey. Amen? He's God in the in-between, and I'm thankful for that. So I want us to look at these verses of Scripture, and then we're going to kind of go into this topic today, and I'm going to share with you some thoughts about, uh, about love. Uh, Jesus said in John 13, verses 31 through 35, this is entitled, if you have a Bible that gives titles before uh, different subjects, it's called a new commandment because Jesus gives them a new commandment. He says, when, uh, verse 31, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. In other words, he is talking about how uh, him and God are connected. Why? Because it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, but one great mighty God. Amen? And if God is glorified, he's saying, any, in other words, he's proving himself and showing himself through his son. Now, uh, verse 33 says, little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me. And, and, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment, look at somebody and say a new, 
a new commandment. Now, this word new in the Greek is not brand new. It means refurbished or made into something better. He's saying, I'm fixing to prove upon something that you already know, is what he's telling them. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one, uh, for one another. Now, uh, I'm believing for this series of this is to be life-changing for us. As a matter of fact, there is, a, uh, there is something we need to to, to grab hold of today that I believe has been lost in the modern church. There is an identifying mark of the, of the early church that caused thousands of people to want to be a part of it. There was an identifying thing about them, and it, guess what? I, I, I'm going to kind of maybe bust some of your bubbles. It wasn't their grand cathedrals or their nice buildings because they didn't have church buildings for about 300 years. There wasn't the first Christian church building, so to speak. So this the early church had no buildings. They had no uh, guitars. They had no drum set. They had no smoke. They had no lasers. They had no light show. Okay. And, and they, they, they had, they, they didn't have the aviance. They didn't have a coffee shop. They didn't have a lot of these things. You say those things need to be done away with. Not necessarily. I believe we should use every tool at our disposal to bless people and to minister to people. But I'm saying you will not acquire the presence with those things. You can't get God's presence by having those things. But God's presence comes from an open heart that is ready to receive his love and not just receive it, but to give it but to give it. And so what he's telling us today is there's an identifying mark, I believe, that has been lost in the modern church, and that identifying mark is the love for one another. Uh, there's a lot of people will tell you they love God but they struggle with loving one another. Now, let's look a little bit into some research. I, I'm a research guy, and when I get into research, i got to share some of that, and I'm not going to give you all my research because there were several, read through about 30 pages of that, but, but I'm going to share some of it with you. According to LifeWay Research, America's opinion of the church is falling at a rapid rate. You say, no, I think it's getting better. No, it's not. Actually, uh, compared through decades, the opinion of the church or the uh, of church continues to fall. Increasing, increasingly, the church has a, reputa a reputation problem, and it is affecting the evangelism of the church on the outside the and the retention of those that the church might win. According to recent surveys of both Gallup polls and Pew Research, that is an organization that does church research, two of them, more Americans than before have a negative opinion of church. Now, number one, the confidence in the church by people today has been rocked. Today, 36% of Americans say that they have no great deal or quite a lot of, or no, they don't have a great confidence in the church or, or, or any organized religion. It's at an all-time low compared to any other decade. I want you to understand that, that people, 36% say they have a, a confidence issue with the church. 36% say that they have some confidence, so that's good. There's some that have some confidence in, the, in, in what the church is doing, but 29 percent say they have little or none, uh, no confidence in the body of Christ. I, I, that should rock you a little bit. Now, I, I, that, that should disturb you a little bit. In most recent surveys, men are more likely than women to say that they have no confidence, little or no confidence in the church. And young adults, 18 to 34, uh, are, the, are the generation most likely to rate their confidence in the church at the lowest. 35 percent are saying we just don't have any use for it. Our confidence is not there. 
Why? Because the confidence of the church has been rocked through scandal. It's been rocked, through, let's just be honest with you, it's been rocked through sin in its leadership. It's been sin that has been unaddressed. It's been sin that has been overlooked. It has been turning away and not dealing with the problems that are really there. It is allowing control to take over by various groups. And church has become supercharged politically more than anything. I want you to understand, believe it or not, God is not a Republican. God is not a Democrat. God is not a Libertarian. God is God, and he is greater than any of those parties. And we have to quit looking to a political party to bring revival to the church. God can only bring revival. It is not a change in Congress or a change in presidency. It is a change of the heart that brings about a move of God. I feel the Lord in this place. We need revival. Quit looking to Washington for it. We need a move of God. How dare we think man can generate that? How dare we think that that comes through a man-made process? It comes through the people of God getting on their faces before a living God saying, Lord, I love you with all my heart, my soul, my mind, but God, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to reciprocate that love to a lost and dying world. 18 to 34, walking away with no confidence. Almost half of Americans who are politically liberal, 46%, say they have little or no confidence. 28% of moderates say no confidence. 15% of conservatives, no confidence. Twice as many independents, no confidence. There is a confidence issue within the church. That is because the church has placed its confidence in men and not in the Lord. We need to get back to the basics this morning and love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. We gotta put it where it counts in him Amen. you may leave here rubbing your head and disagreeing but you go ahead you argue with God over it the sad truth is we continue to look through revival through political revolution rather than an outpouring of the Holy Spirit God help us worldly institutions will never bring about revival in the church it is the Holy Spirit that brings and keeps revival flourishing in the body of Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that caused a group of 12 that went down to 11 that erupted into a, a massive movement of God that swept the known world. I want you to know God started it with 12 outcasts and misfits and sinful men that found repentance at the old rugged cross that were filled with the Spirit in the book of Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost and they took that anointing out of the room into the world and they changed the world with the love of God. People were flocking to the church not because of its plans, its programs, or even its singing. They came to the church because they found love. Yes. Genuine love. Mm. Pastor's going to preach this morning. You can sit there and get through to lunch or you can join me. Water's good. Come on in. Few people see the church as a positive force. According to the Pew Research Study, 52% of Americans say churches and religious organizations have a positive effect on the way things are going in the country. That is down from 59% just a year ago. Today, around 3 in, in 10, that's 29%, say the church has a negative impact on the world around them. I want you to understand, you can... <laughs> 
Bubba Carton shared this when I was a teenager, and some messages, buddy, they stick with you. But Dr. Carton shared this years ago when he was my youth leader. He said, you will either be a thermostat or a thermometer. You will either affect the environment or you will be changed by your environment. And we got way too many thermometers in the body of Christ. We this way when we this group of friends. We this way when we're this group of friends. We praising God when we in church, but then we living like the devil when we leave the church. I want you to understand God wants you to be who you are all the time, 100%. You can't love God and love this world at the same time. No man can serve two masters. God is saying either you're committed or you're not. John 13, 34 through 35, he says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Now let's, let's go back to the very far, first part of that. You love people, Jesus said, the way I've loved you. When you got right with Jesus, did he give you a list of things to get straight before he would accept you? Or did you just come to him as you were? Did you get right before you got right? No. I'm going to tell you what Jesus did for you. He waded out into the sewer of your sin and he rescued you. That's what he did. How dare the body of Christ look at others and say, drowned in the sewer of your sin. And when you get out of it, then you come to us and we'll love you. You come to us and we'll fix you. I got news for you. There's no man can fix you. Jesus is the only one who can fix you. I believe God equips men with gifts and skills and talents. I love good godly counsel. I, love, I believe that God has called people to the counseling ministry. But I'm here to tell you right now, you can go to all the counselors you want. But when you, if you don't find Jesus, if you don't find God in the midst of all your counseling, you'll be right back in the same shape you were in just a short period of time. And I say that based on experience. I've had people, and it's like a revolving door. They think I'm their savior. But I want you to do a little exercise. I've been doing this with a lot of people lately. Maybe you're dealing with somebody, and you're saying, I'm trying my best to get them right, Pastor. I'm trying my best to get them in church. I'm trying my best to, 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 to save them from their situation. I want everybody to do this this morning. Come on. Even the non-Pentecostals can do this. You ain't... Okay. Now, I want you to look... Does anybody see nail prints? There's only one Jesus. There's only one Savior, and you are not it, and I am not it. we got to quit pointing people to us and start pointing them to him because he is the rescuer of the soul. And if you're not careful, you'll get caught in the mentality, if I step away, then they will be lost forever. i got news for you. You can't save no one. Only God can. Amen. You can be words of hope. You can be words of encouragement. You can be words of life. You can point them towards Jesus. You can point them and point them and point them. But guess what? You will never eradicate free will in their heart. They can choose. And the Bible's very clear. Choose you this day whom you will serve. The, it, the Bible is a very clear that we have a choice in the matter. But he said, that's what? You got to love people the way I loved you. You got to love them where they're at. In their stubbornness, 
And guess what? Even in their sin, that doesn't mean... See, I think the problem is fundamentally the church thinks that if I love the sinner, then, I, then they're going to think I'm approving. And I'm letting down the standard. Wrong. Wrong. But if the people who propagate the love of God will accept you just as you are, do not accept them, what are we really saying? Now, I'm not talking by acceptance of approval. No. See, that's the other issue is we live in a world that if you don't approve of what I'm doing, then you don't like me. You don't accept me. That's garbage. There's a lot of things I don't like. But guess what? That doesn't mean I don't love that person. Amen. You ever been around somebody and you're like, man, I love 90% of them, but that 10% when it creeps up. I like mm, name of Jesus. I'm so glad Jesus doesn't use that standard with me because he wouldn't be around me none of the time. But he stays with me and he loves me because, guess what? Not because I loved him, but because he first loved me. Oh my goodness. I've been hung up on a song. I don't listen to a lot of old stuff, but, but Cain redid the song, Blessed Assurance. I've been hung up on that for several days. That old song says, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. When you really taste of the love of God, you don't want nothing else. But I'm going to tell you, if I represent that love and I am crushing the hearts of the people that I'm trying to reach, how can I expect them to taste of him and know him? Amen. Let's go on. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. You love just as I've loved you. You love one another. And then he goes on, he says, by all this, People will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. He says and declares that the identifying mark of the church will be its love for each other. That we've identified not by our sticker on the back of our window in our car, not by the pop-up sign in our yard, not by what T-shirt we wear that says I belong to this church, and I'm not down in that. I think that's great. Love your church. I think you should. You should be proud of the church you go to. You shouldn't be jealous of somebody being proud of their church. But I'm going to tell you right now, when we're more about the brand than we are Jesus, something's went wrong. When we come more about the brand of Christianity than we are the one who died on the cross for us, something's went drastically wrong. Love is the foundation and the indispensable part of a Christ follower's life. You can't exist without love. You can't. I want you to look at somebody and say, you can't exist without love. Come on, tell them. They ain't listening to me. Maybe they'll listen to you. From my early years as a believer, Matthew 5, 46 through 48 has hit me harder probably than, than most verses in Matthew. For if you love, he says in verse 46 of Matthew 5, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. I want you to stop and see what Jesus is saying here. If you love the people who love you, what effort is that? Okay. Guess what, guys? I want to tell you something that's incredible, and you're going to think I'm the greatest man ever. I love my wife. 
I love my children. That's kind of a no-brainer, ain't it? Why? Because they love me. It's easy for me to love them. But then Jesus throws a wrench. He says, don't even the tax collectors, by, by the way, you got to remember Matthew was written to the Jews, Jewish Christians. And he's saying, by the way, the tax collector was considered one of the worst positions you could ever have because the, you were working for the Romans. And he says, and, and it's amazing, isn't it? A tax collector's writing this, <laughs> Matthew. He says, even the tax collectors know how to love their families. Guess what? Even the crack dealer knows how to love their family. Yeah, they do. It's easy. Wow, I'm knocking things over. It's easy to love those who love you. But then Jesus goes a step further and he goes on and he says this, and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? He's saying, what effort is it to greet those who greet you? For some people, it's really difficult. How you doing? <laughs> like, who soured their Kool-Aid? Man, good gracious. It's easy to greet those who greet you. It's easy to love those who love you. But the challenge of the, of, of the Scripture is that we go deeper than that. We are called out to be different from this world, a peculiar people with a way about us. That's why the early church was called the way. Because Jesus declared what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. But what was he saying to them? If I'm the way, then I'm the way of love. Because I'm going to tell you, you can tell me hard things if I know you love me. You can tell me difficult things if I know you really love me. If I know that you love me, I'll listen to you. But if I don't think you love me, why would I listen to you? And I'm going to tell you something. The reason the world will not tolerate sound doctrine today or sound theology today is because the church has lost its love we want to teach the truth with no love we want to preach the truth with no love I'm going to tell you every day if you think I preach you know I, the, the funniest thing I ever heard was somebody out in the community say that I preached watered down sermons I didn't I just thought it was funny I was like, they have not listened to anything I've ever said. But I'm going to do, I do want to say this. I don't want to preach hard truth without great love. Amen. Ever. But when I preach hard truth, you know, Jesus said some hard things. Everybody's like, Jesus is this love, and he just loves me, and he loves my, Jesus preached some hard things. Matter of fact, he got in the face of the religious and said, you know what you are? You're a whited wall. You like to paint the outside to look holy, but inside you're full of death. How many want him as their pastor? <laughs> then Paul said, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. And everybody's like, Paul preached hard things. But Paul also wrote Corinthians where he said, if I have not love, I am nothing. I don't believe anybody walked away after hearing Paul and said, that's a hard man with no love in his heart. No, the one that has been at hunger's table the longest will appreciate the meal the greatest. You hear what I'm saying? 
The one that's been deprived of love the, the longest will, will, will grab onto it the greatest. Oh, church, we must reach the harvest, but we have to reach it with the love of God. That love doesn't mean I approve of sin. As a matter of fact, that love means I'm going to preach against sin. I'm going to teach against sin, but I'm going to teach and I'm going to preach with the love of God, saying the reason God doesn't want you going down that path is because all it's brought you is heartache. He's tired of his kids getting hurt. He's tired of his kids hurting. He wants to love you. Amen. As I'm going to tell you, a long time ago when I started pastoring, I had an old minister walk up to me before I took my first church. And he looked at me and he says, I'm going to say this to you once. Brother Daryl Patterson, he's went on to his reward. What a great guy. Love that man. He said, Phil, if love don't work, nothing else will. Love people. And God will do the rest. We are called to love. Christians should be the leaders in the world of love. With no one even close to second. I'm going to look at a few scriptures and then we're going to wrap up. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six 36 through 40 says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, I said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your hearts and your soul and your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is likened to it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depends all the law and the prophets. And later they would ask him, Well, who is your neighbor? He says, Look around you, everyone. Everyone, look at somebody beside you and say, you my neighbor, God love you. First Corinthians 13 verses 1 through 3 says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand the mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and, I de- and, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have, uh, have not love, I have gained nothing. Corinthians 13, 13 says, So now faith, hope, and love abide, but these three, uh, uh, these three, but the greatest of these is love. First John 4, 7, and 5, 7 through 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for the love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not, uh, does not love does not know God because God is love. I don't know how more strong that can get. If you're not loving people, then you're not loving God. He's saying, if you don't love people, you don't love God. Did I not just say that? Did I read it? Did I read that wrong? Let me read it again. Let me read it again. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Man, I love that. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to stop right there and put the period. And God says, you better not. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Oh, yeah, he's got a period there. I can take my black highlighter to the last part of that. You can mark it out all you want, it's still there. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. 
I could go on and on with other examples, 1 Peter 4 and 8, Romans 5 and 8, uh, 1 John 4 and 10, uh, John 3, 16, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14, literally hundreds of references over and over again that says we must not dismiss love as an unobtainable fairy tale of religion, but we must realize it was not a request of Jesus. It was a command of Jesus. This is something he told us we ought to do, and if we... If we say, oh, it's wrong to steal, praise God. It's wrong to murder, praise God. It's wrong to covet, praise God. But it is also wrong to hate and to not love the way that God loved us because it is that love that draws people to Jesus. It is that love that draws them to the saving power of the cross. We need revival in America, and it has to start with us. It has to start with love. Some of us need to let go of some pettiness. Hmm. Sometimes something will always be missing and broken without love. Do you know that? You can have all the money you want. You can have all the riches you want. But there's a lot of, lot of lonely people who take their own lives because they don't know what love is. A lot of rich people go to the grave because they don't know what love is. This is true of you personally, and it is true of the body of Christ and the church. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, 1 through 3, he goes on, he does declare, if I speak with the tongues of angels, if you hear heaven coming out of my mouth, but I don't have love, he said, all I'm doing is making a lot of noise. Does this not describe the modern church that doesn't love? We can make all the noise in our worship. We can sing from generation to generation, generation, then we go out here and we flip somebody off because they cut us off on the road. Or we, we, we show an ugly spirit to someone who is waiting our table at the restaurant and they know you just came from church. I'm here to tell you we have to have a different standard. Yes. We have to be who we are in these walls, but more so outside these walls. It's easy to feel love when you're around other believers, but it's hard to love in the midst of people who hate God. But maybe the reason they hate God is because they've never seen real love demonstrated. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and the knowledge, and I have all faith as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. He said, if I, if I speak prophetically to you and tell you your future and tell you what God's going to do, and I speak words over you, and I have the gifts of the Spirit flowing through me, guess what? He's being kind of... Uh, facetious here because there's no way for you to have the gifts of the Spirit in you if you don't have the gift of love in you. Amen. He's making a point. And if I give away all I have and I deliver up all my body to be burned, but I have love, he said, I can even have my body sacrificed for what I believe in. But if I'm not loving the way God told me to love, I have missed the mark. And I want you to hear these last few statements. What you love will determine much of your destiny. I'm going to share that again. What you love will determine much of your destiny. How many of your lives have been altered by what you love? You love cheeseburgers. <laughs> that will alter your destiny. <laughs> Sorry. You, 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 you love the wrong person. It will alter your destiny. Amen. Listen to me, single people, all the single ladies and men. Listen to me. 
Listen to me. You never know who you're going to fall in love with. Be careful. Be cautious. Because if you join yourself to the wrong person, you can welcome a life of misery like you've never had before. Be prayerfully guarded. Prayerfully guarded. All y'all young ones looking to start liking, you know. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. Boys were yucky, girls were icky, and now all of a sudden it's like, hey, (laughs) not so much. (laughs) Kind of think it's all right. You see it in middle school every day, the transformation. Not so bad. They're kind of nice to talk to. Be careful and cautious and prayerful. Because you can go down a path where you're sitting in my office and I'm watching your life fall apart. And I'm trying to offer comfort. And I don't want to see you hurt like that. But more importantly, your God does not want to see you hurt like that. Your Jesus don't want to see you hurt like that. Now, if you sit by somebody single, say, hey, be guarded and prayerfully cautious. Come on. Prayerfully cautious. What you love will determine your destiny in this life and in the one to come. If you love money, you love this world, you love sin, you love a sinful life, it will determine your destiny in this life and in the life to come. If you love God and you love him and you love being about his work, guess what? It will determine your destiny in this life and in the life to come. I went into college as a freshman, going to be a coach. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach school, be a coach. Went in as a freshman, walked out as a senior, and went over to Greece to live as a missionary and then back here and did revivals and ended up being your pastor one day. In other words, I began to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and it changed my destiny. And somebody says, oh, I don't want that. I got news for you. What I want it didn't matter anymore because he gave me the delight of my life. He put into me. The Bible says that delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I've got news for you. When you delight in him, he puts into you the right thing and the right person to delight over. If you love money, being right, power positions, wickedness, violence, etc. What will come? I'm going to tell you. And it's not preached a lot today, but it's called hell. If you love God, you love your neighbor, you love the truth, you love your wife, you love your, your children, you follow your fellow believers, you love your enemy, guess what comes? It's called heaven. It's called the glory of God. It's called walking into the very presence of the throne room. I'm telling you, what a worship time we're about to have one day. If we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and we love others. Without love, you will never understand the gospel or the ways of God. Without love, the gospel itself is sabotaged. Did you hear me? It sets people up for disaster without love. Why? They become legalistic and they buy into cheap grace. Legalism is trying to follow the rules, but always falling short because you don't 
Uh, you don't get it, get it. In other words, I've got to dot all the I's, cross all the T's, check off all the lists, then God's pleased. Then cheap grace is just, the, just as bad or even worse. That means I think God loves me no matter what I do. I can abuse his love. I can take advantage of his love. I can go out here and live how I want because he's got to get me to heaven because I'm all right right now. How, why in the world, how, if I treat my wife like that, you think she's going to stick around? If you treat your spouse like that, you think they're going to stick around? I'm going to treat you however I want to because you love me and you can't stop. Why do we think that we can treat God Forgive me, Jesus. Why do we think we can treat God? It's just a ticket to heaven, and I can do whatever I want on this life. I can do whatever is offensive to him. And guess what's offensive to him? It's one thing. It's called sin. Well, what is sin, Pastor? Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. For him that knows to do good and does it not, it is Sin. When I intentionally go against God, that's sin. Getting quiet. That's good because we're getting done. Will you stand? I'm going to ask for everyone, no one, to walk out of this room right now. If you need to go, please use the, the doors in the back. Revelations 3, 19 says, Those who I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. What is he saying? He's saying, I love you enough to correct you. Now, if there is a parent in this room that takes pleasure in correction, that is abuse. Bottom line, that's abuse. You know, if I walked out of the room after disciplining my kids and I high-five Tina and say, boy, I really gave them a good one. <laughs> what would you think of me? You know, I never truly understood what my dad would say till I became a dad, which is this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I always would be like, well, then hand me the belt. That's what I was thinking. I didn't say it. Anybody else think that? You know, if you heard those phrases, it's going to hurt me more. I know what he was saying now. And I believe that when God brings discipline into our lives with tears, he says, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And if you don't believe that, then look at the cross. Look at what he did on the cross for you. He loves you. Love is made complete when we are loving God but loving others. You may say, I struggle with this, Pastor. How can I do this? Well, you start with learning to love God the right way. Love him. I can't love somebody else. I can't, I, that love my enemies. I'm good with loving people, 
Yeah, but loving my enemies, how do I do that? It starts with loving God. You don't just jump from here to say, okay, let me go find the person that I hate the most. I'm going to go tell them I love them right after church. No, you won't. That won't work. It starts with loving God with everything you've got and saying, God, I'm going to love you till you push hatred out of my life. I'm going to love you till you push the victim mentality out of me because I'm a victim of this person. I'm going to love you till you push that victim to victor. And it may take some time because it's a process. Are you hearing me this morning? It's a process. But I believe we can move from victim to victor. Anybody else, if you do, give him some praise in this house. Victim to victor. You got to love God. Cultivate love in your life. The grass is greener when you water it. Cultivate his love in your life. Amen? Fertilize it. Water it. Nurture it. Let something great grow out of you. Your love for God become greater than anything else. How does that happen in my private time and in my worship? That I choose to start listening to something different because I want to cultivate love, God's love in my life. Amen? Had a, my best friend in college. He got dumped. This girl put his heart in a blender and hit frappe. I mean, she just tore him up. He was just tore up. We rode down the interstate, and he, this was back in the time of cassettes, and he had a, a sappy love song playing on repeat. And we rode, and he cried, and he rode, and he cried. He rode, and he missed her, and he rode, and he didn't know what he did wrong. He rode, and we did that for a day. So he asked me to go for another ride after class one day. And we got in the car and he started again playing repeat, Jimbo, repeat, repeat, repeat. Finally, he says, I just wish I could quit thinking about her. I said, you want me to fix that? He said, oh, I, you can't do it. I said, I bet you I can start it. I hit eject and rolled down the window and tossed the cassette out the door. <laughs> going down the interstate. I said, quit feeding it. Quit feeding it. You got to start growing and getting over it. Guess what? Quit feeding your hurt and start feeding the love of God in your life. Start free, feeding the purpose of God in your life. Cultivate His love until it becomes greater than anything else. Then let it flow out of you until it reaches this hurting world. That is why Matthew 22 does not read. You shall love yourself. It does not read this. You shall love yourself with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. And the second is like it. Love God. Aren't you glad it doesn't read that way? Why? Because God knew we could never love him and put ourselves first. Because some of us have a problem with loving ourselves, period. Some of us need God to love us to the point we can look in the mirror and love what's looking at us. Well, God help me. God is moving in somebody today. I wonder if there's somebody in this room that needs some love. This is what I want to do. I'm going to ask our intercessors to come back. And I'd like men to go to our men and women to go to our women. 
during this altar call. But I wonder if there's anybody in this room that just needs a good hug today and somebody to pray over them. I want you to come. Don't sit back there hurting anymore. I'm telling you, somebody needs to come get what God has for them today. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.